Scene 5. On the road back to town, we were mostly quiet. A clear sign of tension. I did not guess what she was thinking, but it was not something good. On my side, I was just coming to terms with yet another doomed romantic expedition. Thank God, this time, I was neither tagged a prostitute nor referred to God for some punishment. I was just a statistic in the city laden with random losers. I thought of Raila Odinga and shared the pain. We arrived in town. I had a plan. Because we had not spoken anything useful, I wanted to push for another sit-down in another bar. So I dropped a fake red herring, and it would not work because it was a counterfeit. There's something I want to tell you, I whispered to her ear. She ignored me and kept driving. Her sign was failing. I felt let down. Not entirely because at least whispering is the closest I came to kissing her. And her perfume was good. Along Moy Avenue, she dropped off a friend. A few seconds later, even before her buddy was beyond eavesdropping range, she thundered, Where can I drop you? It was an affirmative statement, an order from a Nazi tank commander. With that, she shredded the fake arrogance in me into bits and pieces. My brains briefly suspended operations to protest my body's failure to implement its impulses. My vocal cords snapped. I could not talk. My eyes welled up. It was like a small-time nuclear bomb had exploded in my body. I hated her. Yes, my date. I despised her. I declared an unending war on her. A battle to restore my manhood that had been compromised by a girl who was not born when Jomo Kenyatta died. And then I stormed out of her cheap car, a Toyota. Banged the door, threw a tantrum the same way. In the same teenage bravado I displayed outside the Place du Labour's train station in Paris. When my former colleague, Sophia Hannah Nicholson, refused to invite me to her apartment. Then, crestfallen, I, a big swinging watched her fade away into the black horizon. Her car banked to take Haile Selassie roundabout. My face was aching, and as I fought back tears, I had a brainwave. I searched for Guinness, which has been my faithful companion for years. Last time on Kiss Number Zero. Ah, I think we should start it all over again. I know what your boat was. <laughs> Have an idea. Hata hiyo siku ali disappear. Mimi alinipata tu hapa hivi. Bila lunch time alikuwa anakuja kuvuta fake. Alikuwa somehow anakaa. Somehow disturbed kidogo. Kamuta fake moja Basically, while I was still in London, I got telephone messages, text messages from a good mutual friend who said, where is this man proceeding? And initially, I, I sort of dismissed it as, you know, maybe the guy is looking for Bosire, he's not replying to his calls or anything. Then when it got persistent, second day, so I jokingly, I told the guy, what do you think? Do you think I brought him in my suitcase to London? I mean, London is obviously in Nairobi. I must have been among the last people to see him. If Bagonga 
people can disappear. What about you? Less than a thousand people know of his disappearance. What about us? What about me for doing this video? It's been seven years since journalist turned blogger Bogonko Bosire went missing. In this podcast, we have made attempts to retrace his steps, talking to his friends and family. So far, we have established that he visited Moya Saturday the 14th, 2013, and left on Tuesday of the 17th, 2013. And that's a fact which has been confirmed by his roommate and cousin, Fidelis Kiago. In the first episode, when we broke down Dennis Itumbi's sequence of events, he mentioned that Bogonko was planning to write a hit piece on a sitting senator. We have since heard from that senator. He told us that Bogonko visited his office on Thursday the 19th and told him that he was being followed by two gunmen. According to the senator, Bogonko was seeking some sort of protection. Police reports established that Bogonko was last seen on Thursday the 19th. We also do know from the sources that he was last seen on the night of Friday, September 20th in South Bee Shopping Mall. This was his neighborhood, but we are sure he never went home that night. He did, however, bump into his brother-in-law. Uh, yes, I remember. So just uh, a day before he disappeared, uh, I was heading to KUCC, and uh, I just met him outside the International Life House. Uh, okay, as usual, he was, uh, was a bit of in a hurry, uh, but we sto- he stopped, and uh, we were there to chat, and uh, I want to ask him how he's doing and uh, how his work. He told me it's fine, and he just told me he just wants to rush to a bank. There's a branch, I think it's Hemways. It's a, Hemways, a branch there, where uh, I think of Cabrach Bank. He told me he just went there. And then after that, we go to work. A missing persons poster that circulated widely mentions that Bogonko was seen being driven in the company of unknown men along Waiyaki Way. And later, he was spotted at Sigona Golf Club on the morning of that Saturday, September 21st, 2013. There are a lot of holes in the search for Bogonko. In order to understand what really happened, we needed to find out who was the first person to establish that Bogonko was missing. We need to find this person and ask them how they came to the conclusion that Bogonko was missing. In order to do that, we have to go way back to the beginning. I have tried for years to establish how it was decided that Bogonko was truly missing. 
like at what point did it click that yeah bugonko is actually missing and not pulling his regular disappearing acts like everyone else i found out that he was missing through social media most of his family members say they found out the same way either through kenyan news or social media remember fidelis's account from the first episode nikaulizwa do know that bugonko is missing me kambia yeah ajai kuja home but sidanika is missing i received a call from the countryside and i confirmed that he had not come home but i didn't think he was missing they told me that my aunt from kayole had been called by someone from the us saying that he was missing the person who called him was his husband ndotu alikuwa amesoma then akapata that information from there ndaka inform wale Aha. So the family found out from a mysterious call made from the USA? Apparently. Any leads there? Yes. The said family member who resides in the US saw it on Facebook and he called his wife who happens to be Bogonko's aunt and then she called his parents. And so apart from that missing person poster that tells us he was last seen in the company of unknown men on Saturday the 21st we have no other confirmed or rumored sightings our theory is that bogonko went missing between friday evening of 20th and that saturday morning of the 21st when the westgate terror attack happened so here's the thing everyone we spoke to somehow tells us they were with him just before he disappeared or they were the last person he spoke to before he disappeared what is even more telling is that most people did not believe he was missing they believed he had taken a hiatus and would resurface with time vincho revisited a conversation which took place a month after Bogonko went missing. These messages are from a Facebook Messenger group made up mostly of Bogonko's former college mates. I was part of this group and we were trying to devise a plan of action on how to find Bogonko. Most of the people in this group did not believe that he was missing. The group was formed by Jija who has appeared in several episodes. It was frustrating as she was trying to convey the agency while our fellow classmates were not convinced that there was need to panic they were of the opinion that bogonko was okay our fellow classmates claimed to have heard from people who assured them that bogonko was doing all right uh let's read some of the messages here's a message from abdul in the beginning i was pretty afraid that bogonko was gone i asked around for a while and my sense is he's alive a mutual friend of ours who i won't reveal mentioned to me that he sat for him in all police stations and morgues and he said bugonko wasn't there my initial thought was he could have been at westgate but my colleague traced his last step up to sunday a day after westgate overall my sense is he could be alive i just don't know where or this one from mutuge mutugi Njue. This mystery is very well choreographed to let the dust 
the jackal boy created to settle down. The dude is spending state cash somewhere. I'm sure. Just be patient. And wait for his dramatic reappearance. A semi-reassuring one from Halima. I visited Bogonko's favorite pub. He calls it Graveyard. And there I spoke to a certain friend of his. He assured me Bogonko is fine. And he really looked relaxed when he told me that. The feeling I got from him is Bogonko is safe somewhere. And they are very close. So I have no reason to think he would be lying. And a follow-up from Abdul. He was meeting a female reporter, name withheld. According to that friend, I asked him to establish, while he doesn't patrol the Westgate, he could have gone to meet someone. So, the colleague told me he traced him up to the Sunday after the attack. I'm not super comfortable sharing the details of the folks who I'm in contact with for privacy reasons. And I hope that is understood. As much as people speculated on whether Bogonko was safe or not, we still have not established who definitively decided Bogonko was missing. Any idea, Vincho? Was it Itumbi, his best friend at the time of his disappearance? So yes, I asked him if he was the one who broke the news about Bogonko missing. But before he answered that question, uh, he talked to me about the last time he hung out with Bogonko. Actually, on the day of his disappearance, I saw him. We were with him. I, uh, I had lunch with him. Not, not quite lunch. It was early snacks at Nakuma Junction. Uh, actually, but we, we had snacks at Art Cafe on that day. Um, there's a story he was following up and he wanted some leads and contacts. So he had come to me and uh, I gave him some leads and contacts. And uh, he... He made, he made some few phone calls in my presence. And uh, he said he was going to type the story by end of day and I should wait for it. He was also trying to do an interview on me on the post-arrest that had happened on ICC in order to see how far it has gone. And if indeed I'd hacked what had I found out on the ICC, we had a conversation around that. And then I went my way, he went his way. The people who saw him, like my good friend Gitao, that evening he, was, he asked for two guineas. He got them. He did not. He he. The first one was opened at a club called Gigos. Then after that, he he received a phone call after I think two sips of a Guinness, and he walked away as Bugongo would always do when he's picking his calls. He was animated, shouting, and he he left. And uh, now, post grid, we know where he went. But he went towards uh, Simas, Kenyatta Avenue, Simas, and that is the last trace of the phone. After he told me this entire story about his last lunch with Bogonko, I asked him the question that I'm, I've been asking everyone. At what point did he realize that Bogonko was actually missing? You know, for Bogonko, it cannot be an event. It was a series of things. Westgate happened. There is absolutely no way Westgate happens and Bogonko doesn't have a story on Jacqueline's. So he goes to Jacqueline's in the morning, Bogonko hasn't updated on Westgate. We said, okay, probably the guy is in a place where there's no network. Day two, day three, day four, Bogonko, no update on Westgate, something is wrong. So we checked City Mortuary at that time. He wasn't there. We checked all the mugs that were related with the Westgate. He was not there. We waited for the whole Westgate affair to end. Bogonko, Trace was not there. Vincho, I think the answer is Westgate. 
right where we started. This time, the media houses and the entire world's focus was on the Westgate terror attack. Maybe that is why people realized that Bogonko was missing. He was, after all, a lead journalist. What this shows is that there was no urgency in finding Bogonko. All eyes were on Westgate. For the family, though, this was an urgent matter. The family did not waste time to figure out if Bogonko was missing. They jumped straight into his search. After Fidelis got that call from the village, he realized that he had not seen his cousin and roommate for a while. At the same time, Elkana, Bogonko's younger brother, who was in Bomet, was alerted that Bogonko was missing by other family members. And so the two young cousins, new to Nairobi and with limited resources, were tasked with finding Bogonko. on Saturday. Four days after I left Bomet, the Westgate attack happened on Saturday. I left Bomet on Monday, and from the previous Monday, he had not been seen. From that Monday, I was We went up to Westgate to check the list if he's among those who were attacked there. Quite unfortunately, he was not among the list. And then we, we went to industrial police station where we, we recorded the statement. Peter Chepkonga. Peter Chepkonga works in Wasingishu. We went with him to industrial area to record a statement to say he was my brother. We went to industrial area on Tuesday. I overheard the DCI telling the person assigned to the case to give it priority and work on it like he has never done on the other cases. And the assigned you kazi ya kufatilia ndugu yangu ati ashughulikie kesi kama vyenye wajaishughulikia kesi zingine. Pale ndo tukaambiwa the officers at industrial area police station instructed us to come with his photo but there was none at the house. We told him that he was well known. They were taking us in circles. I think they told us to go home. I first filed a missing persons report, then they told me to go to the DCI. I was communicating with Dennis Itumbi. He told us he couldn't be traced. He had first referred us to the morgue, Naivasha. I was sent money by someone called Momanyi, I called my dad and he came with my younger brother. The brother and cousin went through an ordeal. As they have explained, they first went to Westgate to check if Bogonko was among the dead. He wasn't. And then they reported him as missing at the industrial area police station. Then they received a call from Itumbi that said there were unclaimed bodies at the Naivasha Morgue, an hour away from Nairobi. 
this trip to the morgue ended up being a nightmare that the family cannot forget. Joshua, Bogonko's younger brother, remembers how the family in Kuresoi was summoned and asked to go check unidentified bodies in Naivasha. My dad called and asked me to accompany him to Naivasha to identify the body. He asked me to meet him in Nakuru at the Molo Line stage by 7 a.m. and told me that we will be joined by one of my cousins from Kisi. We asked the attendant if there were any unclaimed bodies, and he showed us a body. The body was not his. It had a full set of teeth, and Bogonko's front upper teeth were broken. He also had muscles, but Bogonko had, had never been to the gym in his life. We knew it could not be him. So I, I went back to school and Elkana continued with the search. He, he was being called by Itumbi and Chepkonga and he confirmed with them it was not him. Back in Nairobi, Elkana went back to industrial area police station to check if there was any progress in his missing brother's case. I followed up at industrial area for two weeks. I got tired because they kept asking me to come back the following day, saying they haven't received data from Safaricom. In the meantime, Dennis Itumbi says he got the highest commander to work on Bogonko's case. Maybe this explains what Elkana said earlier on, that while reporting at Industrial Area Police Station, he overheard the commander order his juniors to, quote, give their all and find Bogongo. I did my best. I, I got the family. I, I got media houses mobilized for stories. I got the highest command of police at that time. We did our entire search. There was even a report that had been seen at Sigoni Golf Club. I went and got all the CCTVs. I went through second by second, I found nothing. They are all the leads we got, some fake, some true. We suspended work for a few days. Elkana, Bogonko's brother, told us that his last communication with Dennis Itumbi was about the sighting at Sigona Country Club. After that, Itumbi stopped picking his calls. The Friday of that week, Nikaenda Sasa Nikaenda Nikipigia Dennis. I kept calling Dennis, and he told me that he has been seen in Sigona Golf Club. Asked him where that was, and that was my last communication with Dennis. Even if I call him right now, he won't pick. He has my number, he used to call me, and I used to call him, and he would answer. Elkana was left alone to push the police to find his brother. According to him, the police stopped being responsive around the same time Itumbi stopped taking his calls. Every time I went, he used to ask me to go the following day. 
Deputy DCI was the one helping me. They finally told me that the case is difficult. I was afraid to ask why. It was the deafening silence from Bogonko's friends that hurt his family the most. Why haven't Itumbi and Sakaja ever come to console with the family? There's only one person from K24 who's ever come. Bogonko's parents don't know as much about him as we do, as we've stayed with him longer. The question we're asking ourselves is why are there always obstacles when we are trying to follow up the case? Then we are asked to wait. Where did Itumbi get the data that he was in Sigona? From what I understand, a family member ought to be present for one to get the Safaricom data. We have never gotten the bank account because you have to be the next of kin. You have to be given permission by police. I wanted to see if it's out of the country. I asked the police for help. I don't know if it's because we are poor, there was an obstacle in every corner. I believe if we had gotten serious people, he would have been found. But now everyone went silent. Vincho, did you ask Itumbi about the abandonment? I did ask him if he thought that we did all we could do for Bogonko as his friends. His answers oscillated between yes and no. I can understand that because this is a question that I and many of Bogonko's friends have not been able to answer. Did we really do our best for our friend? Did we do as much? Yes. I mean, we, we, it is his friends who organize for adverts and jacones. It is his friends in Coca-Cola, it is his friends in, uh, his friends in the political campaigns who organize for him to get ads on his blog. So, I mean, we, we did also a bit, we did what we could fairly do. We just missed some points which which we now know that if they happen to any of our friends, we need to get in immediately without waiting. Because also, as friends, there is also the bit of the line that cannot be crossed. So I think we applied too much. But the, the lessons we have from Bogonko is that that line does not exist as long as friendship is involved. In terms of investigations on Bogonko, I feel the case was closed before or maybe it's because I'm a friend, but I feel like uh, I, I was not satisfied as a friend that every leaf was searched. But then again, is it really possible to search every single forest so that we can confirm that one person is missing? Probably that is what government must do for its citizens, but probably is what we can do now because of our capacity, our economy, and employment of police. But one which I wish one day will be possible. Do people call you about Bogonko still? Do people like tell you, Dennis, where is give us back? Even when I'm walking in town, where is Bogonko? You know? At some point, I thought it was actually a threat. Um, at my position in government, I'm entitled to bodyguards. 
but due to the styles which I grew with in KFC, I very rarely use them. In fact, I don't remember the day I used them. I, I prefer driving myself, I prefer being who I was long before the titles came. Because I don't believe titles define us, I believe we define the titles. So the questions when people ask me where is Bogonko, where I, I keep telling them I'm, I'm still looking for him. I feel like I've not done it all. I've not done exactly what Bogonko would have expected me to do for him. If, if a man were disappeared, I'm sure Bogonko would be writing a story every day. I'm sure he would have a countdown on his website every day for people to give leads, which I've not done myself. So I think I think I'll actually increase the pace of looking for him just to get the answer of where Bogonko is. Itumbi's sense of not doing enough for his friend, who he told us was like a brother to him, is echoed by Elkana. The family suspects that Itumbi knows a little bit more than he has revealed. Not just Itumbi, but Bogonko's other friends too. The family is appealing for anyone with information that can lead to solving the mystery as to what happened to Bogonko Bosire to come forward. His best friends, those that he used to stay with, to work with, and to socialize with. I think they must be having a clue. For example, even if you look at his Facebook, whatever, before he disappeared, then he see Tumbi. And when then Tumbi is the closest person who should at least tell us where he is. Itumbi should at least know. We miss our brother. We really miss him dearly. Despite the family sentiments, Kenya has no law that requires friends to account for friends, whatever their influence is or lack of it. The onus is on the Kenyan police to investigate cases around missing persons. Kenyan police failed Bogongo. But uh, we don't have a specific procedure in Kenya. Case number zero is hosted by me, James Smart. Additional reporting, Vinchon Chogu. Production house, Supersonic Africa. Sound engineer, Muna Chuba. Video editor, Sharon Ongayo. Theme music, Brian Sigu. Voice artist, Yafesi Musoke. Producers, Vinchon Chogu and James Smart. Consultant to producers, Abdullah Boru. Impact producer, May Lebo. Script consultants, Chachi Lotieno and Monica Ndogo. Kimani ni dago, usiepe ni aroduto. Omiyo apari sechete. Sunny, <laughs> feel.